welcome to Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and welcome to Should Hypnosis Ever Be Used to Treat Depression? Or Why I Went Against the Advice of My Psychiatrist Boss. Hypnosis should never be used with a depressed person. The elderly psychiatrist roared at the patient's mother, his thick-rimmed glasses quivering on top of his nose. Now, these were the days I worked as a nurse in a psychiatric hospital, days smudged with gloom in my memory, but full of amazement too. Now, the other nurses and I gathered around the psychiatrist, the unassailable chief of our tribe and the god of our religion. And this was a progress meeting to assess the needs of the patient, a young man in his 20s named Kevin. And Kevin's head sunk towards the floor. He looked pained and embarrassed as we spoke about him, but never to him. Kevin's meek mother clutched her handbag as she said that her son had tried one hypnotherapy session at home over the weekend, and she tentatively reported it felt really good afterwards. So relaxed, almost like his old self, she said. Unquestioned authority. Now, back then I knew nothing about hypnosis and held the psychiatrist on such a pedestal that it never occurred to me that he could be perished the thought wrong. Mind you, I did start to question him later when he stated that, like Sigmund Freud, he believed patients who reported having been sexually abused as children were merely expressing repressed sexual desire for their parents through fantasy, and that their reports of having been abused were merely their own fantasies or wish fulfillments coming to light. See reference one. I, I began to really question this guy at that point. Anyway, I swear his finger actually wagged at the poor woman as he lectured her on the grave dangers of using hypnosis in cases of depression. And he didn't say why or what the nature of these dangers might be, but his sense of certainty had us all in his thrall, and I was in my early 20s. And so Kevin's drug dosage was increased, and that was the treatment. The old view was that hypnosis should never be used with a depressed person, but this idea missed something really important. Hypnosis is not actually a therapy. It's a state of mind and body in which learning takes place quickly and thoroughly. It's a channel through which therapy can travel. Hypnosis can be used as a delivery system for therapy to make it more powerful. And hypnosis is only as effective as the therapy it delivers, of course. It also depends how hypnosis is used. More on that in a moment, but there's something else too. Okay. And that something else is that depression is already a sort of hypnosis. And it took me years to understand this. A depressed person is, from one perspective, already entranced, already hypnotized. Some of the severely depressed patients I recall from my time in acute psychiatric uh, nursing naturally exhibited many of the features we so often see in hypnotized subjects. So two common features of depression and hypnosis are Number one, catalepsy. This is a uh, rigidity or disinclination to move the body. It happens to all of us when we dream at night during rapid eye movement or REM sleep. 
our anti-gravity muscles become um, paralyzed, so to speak, to prevent us actually acting out our dreams. So it's a survival mechanism. Catalepsy sometimes occurs spontaneously in hypnosis. The person becomes very still or responds easily to the suggestion that their arm will become rigid or numb. Okay, which is why we can use uh, hypnotic anesthesia in operation sometimes. So because catalepsy happens naturally during hypnosis, it can be utilized easily for pain control or as an organic metaphor for immovable determination and the like. But some depressed patients show signs of catalepsy too. They might feel emotionally numb or sit for hours in exactly the same position, especially when in deep or clinical depression. It's fascinating that this is essentially an hypnotic feature. Two, loss of external contact. This is another similarity with a hypnotic state. Another thing depression has in common with hypnosis is the narrowed inward focus. During hypnotic trance, which can be deeply pleasurable and therapeutic, our attention turns inwards as our perception of the outside reality fades away. And of course, this happens to all of us in nature's deepest hypnotic trance, which is when we dream at night. As you drift into the REM state at night, your focus becomes exclusively attuned to the contents of your imagination, to the extent that your imaginings become 100% real to you. And this we call dreaming. Your bed and the room you're dreaming in become no more than a distant memory or totally out of consciousness. Depressed people often look glassy-eyed and report feeling disconnected from the real world. They experience a feeling of unreality or derealization quite often. They'll often be very inwardly focused, ruminating on the contents of their imaginations and creating hopeless or fearful scenarios about the past, present and future. And sure enough, this is a feature of hypnosis too, in which our inner focus overrides outer focus. Clearly, hypnosis as a mechanism to deliver therapy is likely to resonate strongly with depressed patients who are already experiencing some features of the trance state, but in no way uh, pleasurable form. So why was a psychiatric establishment so dead set against hypnosis? More of the same misery. Back when Kevin's psychiatrist was trained, the psychotherapy of the day was analytical. The patient was, was encouraged to focus on the unchangeable past. Sessions involved dragging patients through their pasts to get in touch with ultra-painful feelings and memories. And this ideology favoured the idea of cathartic collapse, in which the client was essentially re-traumatised. This was thought to lead to release and therefore better mental health. In reality, it was a very painful process. Now, if hypnosis were used as a delivery system for this kind of therapy, leading to uncontrolled cathartic collapse, it could indeed be catastrophic for the patient because it would be so traumatic. Depressed patients can certainly be worse off after receiving hypnosis as part of such a scary therapeutic model. And there's a good reason for that. Depressed clients already exclusively focus on painful memories at the expense of better ones. So we don't need to magnify that using hypnosis. They're already likely to have lost perspective through over-rumination and analysis of why things went wrong. See reference too. So if the therapy was focused on bringing up lots of painful memories with the assumption that was therapeutic, essentially giving 
the client's feelings of misery a booster, it's no wonder depressed clients would suffer so much. Hypnosis simply powers and magnifies whatever therapy is being given through it. That's why much of the advice about not using hypnosis for depressed clients was quite right at the time. The type of analysis being used was, from a modern perspective, toxic for depression anyway. Likewise, it's no surprise that another anti-therapeutic use of hypnosis caused more problems than it solved. When the aim of therapy was to find out what happened or release suppressed memories, there was no way applying hypnosis could turn out well. First, there's no evidence that hypnosis can be used to find out what happened. Okay. And second, there's no evidence that finding out the cause of a problem solves the problem anyway. Hollywood psychobabble notwithstanding. So the question remains, can we use hypnosis constructively with depressed people? And if so, how can we do that? Using trance to treat trance. Hypnosis, not as a therapy, but as a delivery system for therapy, is only as good as the competence and practice of the clinician delivering it, of course. If the therapy is positively orientated, enabling constructive and solution-focused, then hypnosis can magnify those benefits hugely. I'm glad to say that psychotherapy has progressed tremendously since my days uh, nursing patients like Kevin in the acute psychiatric ward. And this is good news for depressed patients who can finally access the powerful healing hypnosis can deliver. Depressed people are stressed people. We know this objectively because they've higher levels of the stress hormone cortisol in their bloodstreams. See reference three. So any treatment for depression should include deep rest and relaxation to give the client a break from the exhausting effects of over-rumination and depression. Hypnosis, one of the most soothing relaxing experiences available to our patients should not be overlooked for short-term relief. Hypnosis can also be used to help reframe past events constructively and rehearse new ways of feeling and thinking as well as, as of course, uh, treating trauma very quickly. It can calm the brain down enough to start to feel hope and set realistic goals. Hypnosis isn't always the main active ingredient of effective therapy for depression. But as part of therapy, often a vital part, it can really help important messages hit home and new, more flexible ways of appreciating reality emerge in the client. Those who don't understand the fundamental nature of hypnosis and its role in learning and healing and overcoming emotional difficulties may still talk of contraindications. But what they may not realize is that any therapy, including the old school analytical kind, is in a way hypnotic. Therapy is always hypnotic. If it gets clients to narrow their attention to on feelings or something beyond the immediate, such as an imagined future or a remembered past, it is effectively a form of hypnosis. Practitioners themselves may not understand the hypnotic elements in their own work, but indeed, often they have no idea about that. And in fact, looking back, I'm sure Kevin, as he sat there surrounded by authority figures, frozen still with his eyes fixated on the floor, was in a kind of trance even during that meeting. But alas, not a good one. So I hope you found that useful. I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and if you'd like to subscribe to my email newsletter, uh, you can find it over at unk.com slash blog. That's unk.com slash blog. (laughs) 